Theodore Roosevelt said, do what you can with what you have, where you are. So that's what we're doing this morning, First Baptist Church. A good morning on this cold, a snowy Valentine's Day morning. We're doing uh, what we can with what we have, where we are. And we are glad you have joined us this morning. I'm a little bit sad because we cannot uh, fully honor our uh, youth pastor, Ricky Galvan, who has accepted the call as the uh, youth pastor and recreation pastor at First Baptist Church in Andrews. And February 14th today was supposed to be his last Sunday. We had some special things planned, and we're going to try to do some of those. And you'll see in just a little bit uh, a video of uh, their ministry here. And we're glad we can do those things. We did some things Wednesday night with the young people, and we're glad we had the opportunity to do uh, those because the weather doesn't allow us to do everything that we wanted to do. I'm so sad that Ricky Galvan is leaving. I, I still can't believe it. I've told him that. I don't know how to handle goodbyes very well, but Ricky has served us so well. I'm so glad that I've had opportunity to partner with him in ministry and that he has served this church so well the seven and a half years that he has been our youth pastor. And we just want to wish him the very, very best and know that we can be glad that he is still our partner in ministry. He's now at First Baptist Church Andrews, but still very much our partner and just down the road. And uh, we know that won't end. And so we wish uh, Ricky and the Galvans the very best as they journey down the road to Andrews. It reminds me of our subject today, following the call of God and, and how redemption begins uh, with a promise in Genesis uh, 12, 1 through 3, if you'll turn in your Bibles there, we're going to see uh, Abraham's call. Now, there, just to review you a little bit uh, about where we are in the whole story of reality or the whole story of redemption as we journey from Genesis through Revelation in this 2021 year, I want to remind you that um, Genesis 1 through 11 is basically what went wrong, what's broken, and it is organized around four events. Creation, the fall of humanity, the flood that rebooted uh, humanity, and then the confusion of language that happened at the Tower of Babel the last time uh, we were together. God brings judgment upon people in those things, but in his judgment, for every ounce of judgment, there is a pound of mercy. We see that in the Garden of Eden. As he cast uh, Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden is a merciful act in that they hadn't taken of the tree of life and their state separated from God because of their sin is not permanent because they had not taken of the tree of life. So that is merciful. In the flood, he saves a remnant, Noah and his family. That He wipes out the rest of of the earth, which the scripture says was always evil all of the time. And so that too is an act of mercy that he preserved a remnant in the Tower of Babel as people sought to make a name for themselves. God uh, stops that and wants them uh, instead to make a name for him. And we will find more satisfaction and contentment and joy in life as we give ourselves to that. And so that's an act. Of mercy. So today, as we pick up the story of Abraham, Abram as it 
begins, um, we, we look at a story that is going to, to lead us toward not the brokenness of the world, but the fixing, the redemption of humanity. And that all starts with a promise. So would you hear the word of God from Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Abram, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went. Let's stop there and pray. Oh, Father, we want your richest blessings upon Ricky and the Galvan family as they go to a land you've called them. Father, we, we want that for ourselves. We want to experience your, your blessing and your provision and, uh, Lord, your promises, the fulfillment of them in our lives as we journey uh, through the scripture and as we journey through life with you. Father, show us your truth. Speak to us from your word. Unless you speak, Lord, I have nothing. Nothing at all to say. It's in your precious name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. We look at this story. I think we'll find ourselves very much a part of this story. Abraham doesn't know anything about the land he's going to. In fact, Hebrews says it that way. He's going to a land and not knowing where he's going. And so are we. We're going into the future with the Lord, not knowing where we're going. But in the meantime, we want to live lives like Abraham left, that people can see and copy and follow and know, and we're going to look at this too, that that we're not perfect, but that we are pursuing a God who is, and a God who has, has died for us, a God who has restored our relationship with him through Jesus. And so we want to uh, look at that journey as um, a promise and look at what really what the promise here is in Genesis 12 and really how that pertains uh, to us. So as we journey there, I just want to remind you of some words from a, an old song, uh, a group called For Him. Uh, wrote these these words. If the Bible had no closing closing page, and still were being written to this day, I want to be a man that you could write about a thousand years from now that you could read about your servant, Lord, of choice, a man who heard your voice. That's what I want. That's what I want for myself, and that's what I want for you, a First Baptist Church, and that's who Abraham is. Four thousand 
years later, we are talking about him, reading about him. Three major religions in the world claim him as their father. The Muslim faith claim him as their father through his first son, Ishmael. Christianity and Judaism claim him as their father through the promise, Isaac, the promised son. And that's what we're going to look at uh, today just for a bit. So as we think about all that God was doing before Abraham and the judgments that he brought and the mercy that was found through those judgments, I just want you to remember this statement. God, in those judgments, uh, were was performing mercy because he intended primarily not to punish his people, but to redeem his people. Those smaller judgments were to point us back to him, to his redemption, so that when the final judgment, which all of us is going to face, it's appointed for man to die once and then to face the judgment, every one of us is going to face that. In that final judgment, when there's no more time or room for mercy, we'll be ready. That's what God does. All the stuff, the junk, the pain, the suffering, the problems that we have, would you see them that way? That God is using those things, will use those things to point us back to him because that's what he does in the life of Abraham. Now he first of all calls him and here's the promise that we see to Abraham in these beginning verses of chapter uh, 12. We see that he's going to a country that he doesn't know but he's, we see also that God is going to, here's the promises, God's going to do this. So every time we see I will, we know that's promise language. And God says, I will make you a great nation. I will show you, even before that, the land I want you to settle. I will bless you and I will Make your name great. And so what we see is God gives them land. Of course, they're going to need that to flourish, to survive on the land. And it was a fertile land that God gave them, that promised land. The land later would be described as a land flowing with milk and honey. And so it was very profitable. God also gave them Abraham a, a people. He says, look at the stars later on and the, the grains of sand and and you can't count the, the sand. You can't count the stars. Today, uh, astronomers estimate that there are some 300 septillion planets in the universe. Septillion. Now think about that for just a minute. Million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, sextillion. That 300, is that, that's a three with 23 zeros after it. Can you imagine how big our universe is? And God says to Abraham, you count those stars. And I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. God has no business having a relationship with Abraham or with us. And yet he does. Yet he wants to call us into a personal relationship with him he's in control of the universe he created the universe he keeps it going sustains the universe 
Oh, but he knows every hair on your head. And he knows what's going on in your heart, in your mind. And he did in Abraham's as well. And so when he calls Abraham, he promises him land and people and and then a great name and blessing. You think about that for just a moment. Think of it this way. He, he's going to give him a place to belong. A people to belong with. A pride in all that God is going to do. A good kind of, of pride in his family. And he's going to give him purpose. He's going to bless him to be a blessing. Did you see the end of verse 3? All the families of the earth shall be blessed through Abraham. You know what he's talking about, don't you? You're a Christian, you know. You know that the beginning of the New Testament about Jesus Christ begins. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of, you guessed it, Abraham. That's where the blessing over the entire universe is going to take place when Jesus comes. When Jesus fulfills this promise that is made 2,000 years before he ever comes. God is establishing a nation. A people. The nation of Israel. The people. The Jewish people. To fulfill his promise. Redemption. Through his son. Jesus Christ. The Messiah. Oh, God knows what he's doing. God was working his plan. So let's move on just a minute as we think about Abraham. We think of him being the father of our faith. The scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him uh, as righteousness. That's in Romans 4, 3. So we see in Abraham trusting and then obeying. He goes and does what God has called him to do. But we also see in Abraham in this very beginning chapter in in Genesis 12, uh, failures, false sin that take place. There's a famine in the land and they go down to Egypt and instead of telling uh, the Pharaoh that his beautiful wife, his smoking hot wife, Sarah, is his wife, he says that he, that she is his sister. And so in a way he takes advantage of his own wife and Pharaoh blesses him with all these gifts and all this honor and and God reveals, thankfully, to Pharaoh that she's his wife and not his sister. And yet, Abraham is dishonest and he lies about that. He fails. He does it again in chapter 20 with um, Abimelech. He doesn't really learn his lesson in this instance. We see Abraham failing again in chapter 16 when he and Sarah try to take matters into their own hands and fulfill God's promise in their way. Sarah decides to give Abraham her handmaiden Hagar as his wife, it says. And in chapter 16, verse 2, Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. Now, usually that's a good thing when a man listens to his wife's voice. In this instance, not so good. Because what that means is Abraham went in and, and lay with Hagar and had a, uh, and she conceived and had a child named Ishmael. And the, the Arabs and, uh, 
the Jews have been quarreling in the Middle East ever since of that decision. Not a great plan to take matters into your own hands. And yet, sometimes we do that, don't we? Especially as we're waiting. Abraham received this promise from God in chapter 12 at the age of 75. Now, at the age of 86, there's still no child. And so he and uh, Hagar have a child. He and Sarah have this plan. Not till age 99 does Sarah get pregnant with the promised child, Isaac. If you're keeping track, she um, gives birth when Abraham's 100 and she's 90. And so that's 25 years of waiting. I have a hard time waiting 25 seconds, let alone 25 years. That's a life is waiting, is it not? What will you do in the waiting? Sometimes we're waiting for a child, or we're waiting to get married, or we're waiting for a better job, or a good job, or any job at all. We're waiting. How will you handle that waiting period? How do you respond? It says a lot about you, but it says even more about your faith. Abraham decides to do something while he's waiting. That doesn't seem to be a man of faith. But you know, despite Abraham's failures, despite his faults and and his sin, God still fulfills his promise. God still is working toward redemption. And he's doing that through Abraham. When we think about the covenant, we see that um, in chapter 15 and chapter 17, we're trying to cover all of Abraham because the next section of Genesis is is um, based upon four major patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. And so today we're, we've got one sermon really to cover Abraham. And I want you to know um, just a little bit more about this whole covenant. This covenant was, was sealed uh, with a, a sacrifice. So in chapter 15, we see... Uh, God telling Abraham that he's going to make good on his promise and he's going to seal this covenant relationship, this connection uh, that he has with Abraham uh, as Abraham makes a sacrifice of uh, a heifer and a female goat and a ram and a turtle dove and a pigeon. And the the whole process was um, you split those up and, and let them bleed out and then you, you have those halves and and the two that are in covenant together walk through this blood. Sounds kind of gory in our day. But it's a reminder that if you fail to keep your end of the covenant, what happens to these animals is going to happen to you. It's going to be the, the end of you, the death of you. And so when we see this covenant fulfilled in chapter 15 or, or sealed in, in chapter 15, chapter 15 verse 17 says that through those that sacrifice, through those halves, walks a smoking fire pit and a flaming torch passed between those pieces. What's that all about? That could be a little confusing in the Abraham story. If you read through the scripture and you get to that part, think, what's that? Well, what's that symbolizing is that God 
is fulfilling both ends of the covenant. God in his unconditional love is going to provide um, the ultimate sacrifice in his son. But Abraham couldn't do all that God needed him to do to maintain this covenant of faith. And so God fulfills both halves of the covenant. It's it's like when uh, your your child wants to buy you a gift and they're, they don't have a job yet, they don't have any money yet, and they come to you and they say, Hey, Dad, can I have some money? I want to buy you a gift. Well, you're going to give them a gift. But you're not going to be any more blessed than if you had bought the gift yourself. So if you want a great gift, you give them a lot of money. If you don't want such a great gift, then you're kind of cheeky with the amount of money you, you give them. So you, you see what, what God does with Abraham is saying, Abraham, I know in this covenant you can't ultimately fulfill it. So I'm going to keep both halves of the covenant. And the sign of that covenant in chapter 17 is circumcision. Now, I don't know what we're going to do uh, without Ricky around uh, being able to explain to our children all about circumcision. You'd be, be in prayer uh, that he'll be able to do that in Andrews, and you'd be in prayer, prayer that we uh, find someone else who can do that here in Denver City. And of course, you know that I'm joking, but can you imagine for just a moment at 99 years of age, God tells Abraham to, to seal this covenant or this will be a sign of the covenant of circumcision. I'm sure Abraham is thinking, well, God, you gave Noah a rainbow and now I have to be circumcised at 99. He's trying to, to start a nation. Isn't that a great uh, church growth campaign? Come be with us, a 99 year old man uh, leading that campaign and, and come and be circumcised. Wow. I'm not sure there were, would be a lot of takers for that, but that's what God is doing in, in chapter 17 in this covenant with Abraham. So Abraham's been waiting all this time finding that son's born. That's what God does. He keeps his promises. You see, some of the greatest pain in life is broken promises. You promise your kids a trip and for whatever reason you can't fulfill that promise. And they say, but dad, you said, you stood at an altar and you said, till death do us part. And before death came, you parted for whatever reason. Those broken promises break your heart. Fulfilled promises. Build our hope. That's what biblical hope is. A confident assurance that God will keep his promises. It builds our faith. That's why Abraham is the, the, the father of our faith. When we see that, it builds our satisfaction. When we know that what God has said, God will do. And he does for Abraham. Gives him a child through Sarah in their old age. So it's not about Abraham. It's not about Sarah. It's about the power of God. Who can do anything. I can just imagine Sarah at Walmart in our day in her shopping cart. There are Depends for Abraham who's over a hundred now and there are hampers for their young baby. Can you imagine? God is so so faithful. 
so, so good. I want you to know him that way. See, this promise was fulfilled. The promise of land, the Jewish nation, that promised land, they're still squabbling over it today. The promise of a great name, we're still talking about Abraham. The promise of a people, the Jewish people, the Christian people there, 2.3 billion people who claimed the name of, of Christ. Abraham was the beginning of that covenant relationship with God Almighty. The promise of the blessing. Jesus. As we think about who he is and what he's done, we're reminded that Abraham's faith was put to the test. Isaac was taken to Mount Moriah, remember? God said, offer your son as a sacrifice. This son that he had waited so long for, this this promised son, and now God says, sacrifice your son. Your only son. The one you love. You remember how God provided another sacrifice, a ram on that mountain. You see the picture what God is going to ultimately do through Abraham, he's going to provide his son, his only son, the one he loves for you and for me. And this time, the sacrifice is not going to be called off. It's going to be fulfilled. Jesus is going to lay down his life on the cross for us for the forgiveness of our sin. That promise has been kept all church, all people. Don't you know? We have this opportunity to be a part of what began with Abraham. Abraham was called a friend of God, and now we have an opportunity to, if you've never experienced his redemption, to start there. And if you have, to be a part of the mission. You see, it's, it's not over. It continues. The whole earth has not been blessed through the blessing of Jesus yet. The great commission to make disciples of all nations is still in process, progress. Are you part? Don't you want to be part? Abraham changed the world. The whole course of history took place. God did that even through his his failures, despite his failures, God still fulfilled his promise. And you and I aren't perfect. But in spite of our imperfection, God can use us. He'll work through us. It begins by accepting the redemption he's provided through Jesus. As simple as this, ABC. Admit that you failed, that you're a sinner. You've fallen short. The glory of God. Be believe that Jesus died on the cross to cover your sins. His blood was shed as the perfect sacrifice. And see, choose, choose this day to follow Him. I hope you will. Now, there's no way for you to respond publicly on video, but you can respond, and we can help you with whatever decision God is leading you toward today. If you would text. In the address, 94,000, and, and put in the message line, FBC, DC.
FBCDC. There are links that will pop up on your smartphone. And you can uh, follow those links and you can learn about uh, how to be saved. Someone will visit with you about that. You can learn about following him in baptism, joining the church. Uh, You can uh, ask for prayer. If you have special prayer concerns on that link and and then you can also sign up to be involved in, in uh, small groups, life groups. We want you connected. We want you growing with us at First Baptist Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this cold, wintry Valentine's Day. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that all your promises are yes. In Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what he's done for us on the cross. And we pray, Lord, that this would start in you or be brought to full fruition people's redemption or saving for what you've done. Jesus, help us proclaim that to our oikos and beyond. The people you've given us and anybody we get a chance to share your story, our story, and reality with. It's in your precious son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.